Hello, channel pros. Welcome back to the Channel Journeys podcast. I am Rob Spee, your host and cycling, sailing, and channel fanatic. Several months ago, I was invited to be a guest host on the SaaS Partnership podcast sponsored by the Cloud Software Association. If you aren't familiar with this organization, it was founded and is led by Sunir Shah. They have a network of over 4,000 SaaS channel professionals a library full of channel resources, and they host the annual SAS Connect conference. I encourage you to check them out. The conversation streamed live on LinkedIn. It was a ton of fun and was packed with valuable content that I want to share with you here on Channel Journeys. Before we get to that, let me tell you about our new sponsor. With a global user base of over 4 million partners, Impartner is recognized as a global leading provider of partner management technologies. Impartner specializes in cutting-edge solutions for partner relationship management and partner marketing automation. Their platform is built around best practices and sophisticated automation that enables partner teams like yours to quickly move from program operations to maximum time to value. I've known the great folks at Impartner for years, and I'm thrilled to have them as a sponsor. All right, so back to today's episode. If you work in a SaaS company or your company is transitioning to the subscription model, what do you really need from the channel and how can you succeed in getting what you need? To answer those questions, I invited a two-time Channel Journeys podcast guest, Lana King, to join me on that SaaS partnership podcast. Lana is an expert in partner programs, partner enablement, and partner experience, and she's just a super fun person to talk channels with. We chat for the first half of the podcast, then we answer questions from the live audience, which brought out a lot more great conversation and tips that I think you'll enjoy hearing. Are you ready to talk SaaS partnerships? Let's go. Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. This is the SAS Connect podcast. I am your guest host today, Rob Speed, stepping in, and I'm very happy to be here. And I've got a special guest host with me, Lana King. Lana, how are you doing? I'm doing great. All Super right. excited so, to be here. Yeah, you and me both. So we were just chatting and uh, I'm hunkered down in Alpharetta, Georgia. You are hunkered down in? Austin, Texas. All right. So we got a little bit of cross-country action going on. SAS Connect is obviously hosted by the Cloud Software Association up in Toronto. Shout out to Tamara for inviting us to, to be hosts here. So Lana, we're going to have a fun conversation today and just chatting about a number of different topics. So let's start off with a fun one. You've been on my own podcast, Channel Journeys, a couple of times. And I remember back then you were big into cardio kickboxing. I am. And are you I, still doing that? I do. So I get up at five o'clock, three days a week and go up to a local gym here and lead cardio kickboxing and strength training classes. And I've been doing it for like 20 years, which is... Wow. All right. So you have a, a pretty interesting and strong channel background, Lana. You were, let me see, you led channel strategy and programs at Polycom. Then you owned the partner programs at Lenovo. You were the global partner programs and enablement leader at Mitel. Now you're actually in the hunt for your next adventure, right? I am. I'm 
took some time off and I am now beginning to look to see what's next for me. And so it's super exciting to see what's going on in the channel right now and having the opportunity to focus on that instead of getting my my key responsibilities done. So a lot, a lot of kickboxing while you were taking some time off? Yeah. And, you know, I ended up actually having to have ankle surgery. So I am right now on a scooter. So my kickboxing is limited to just arms these days. So I'm riding around on a scooter for three more weeks. Oh, man. Well, that's not too bad, but it's always takes a long time to recover. Way too much longer than we want it to. It does. Yeah. Well, I hope you get better from that really, really soon. Okay. So you're... I think when you and I were chatting about what would we talk about on this, I thought it was really fun kind of based on the position that you are in where you've had really fantastic channel positions with different companies, slightly different roles, but always a a strong partner program element to it, partner strategy element to it. So I'm really curious, as you've been on the market starting to look around, what are you hearing and what are you seeing from the, the companies, the SaaS companies that you're talking to who are exploring partnerships, maybe some have partnerships already and some maybe just starting from scratch? Yeah, thank you. Excellent question. I was, as I'm looking, I'm looking at different industries. So a lot of what I'm coming across are organizations that are beginning to just develop their partner program or beginning mm-hmm. to just get into that. They have a solid base, they're strong in SMB. And so they're kind of having this need to move up market and they're looking at partners as the opportunity to do that. So that's a lot of what I'm seeing right now. Before we talk about partner experience, let's talk about partner manager experience. What kind of experience and backgrounds are the companies you're talking with? What are they really looking for today? Yeah, so what I'm seeing a lot of, so depending on the role, but what the companies need and what they're looking to do as they introduce the channel are Mm -hmm. they're looking for people that have experience with the overall strategy. They know that they want to grow the ecosystem. They know that they want to get access to more customers. They're seeing partners as a way to, quite frankly, obviously extend their sales force and get access to customers that they don't have the reach to tap into. So the roles and what they're looking for is people that have that experience and the ability to define not only, okay, clearly we know we want to go out and sell and we want to attract some partners, but how do we do that? And so they're mm-hmm. looking for people that have that skill set and the ability to look at, okay, what is the overall strategy of the company? And then how do we translate that to effectively recruit and onboard the right type of partners? Do you think they have a good sense of what they want from partners? That is a great question. And, you know, I've talked to several different companies and gotten several, just even counseled and got given some advice to colleagues in the industry. And that is one of the things like, number one is like, we want we want more sales. We want to attract more customers. Right. And so really digging down into what do you want from your partners and what does your partner landscape and ecosystem need to look like? And once you identify that, let's say you need, you really are needing post-sales support, having mm-hmm. that having that strength and identifying the right partners. So my guidance to these people, because they, it varies from yeah. on organization and what their strategy is, but really to your point, understanding what is the root cause? Why do I want to attract this partner? What kind of partners do we want? And from there, what do we need from them? And what do we have in our organization to A, enable them to be effective, to B, ensure that cross-functionally we're aligned, that we have the right rules of engagement in place to ensure overall success for the business. Because simply wanting a partner because you want to add customers is not a strategy. It's not a strategy. (laughs) And that's so funny. When I had a conversation the other day and I was talking about the importance of having that partner strategy. 
And the answer is, well, yeah, we have a strategy. We want 20 million in partner originated revenue. Yeah. I said, well, that's not really a strategy. That's a goal, but you know, and <laughs> what's the strategy behind that? Is And is that all you're really looking for from partners or is there more to it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think one of the critical things is to continue to drive that because at a, an executive perspective, let's say it's a privately held organization or even public, not understanding that it's not just saying that you want a number and then going out and hiring and throwing channel salespeople at it. It's really important for that cross-functional alignment to really get tight and clear and to build step-by-step. And it unfortunately takes time. It isn't something, and I think that's one of the things that I see a lot of is organizations expect by the next quarter, once we've introduced, once we've hired this many channel salespeople, or we announced a program expecting revenue to just immediately come in and it does take time. So as you're speaking with these companies, are you making an effort to set those expectations? Because you don't want to jump into a new role. And then six months later, they're saying, well, Lana, where are the results? Why haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I had a great discussion with an organization and they're like, what does it look like? How quickly can you go? And I just kind of laid it out. And they're like, well, that's not fast enough. I'm like, I got it. And you can accelerate certain pieces more quickly. Absolutely. But really to, to really get the fruits of your labor, to really expect to see that these are the steps that do need, in my experience, need to be considered and mm-hmm. taken to ensure that you're you're setting yourself up for success. And it doesn't have to be everything at once, but really setting that and getting those foundational components in. How are you going to measure? Understanding the key performance indicators. Can you, do your partners have access to the tools and systems that they need? So it's all of those fun things that are critical to the overall strategy. So we have SaaS companies of all different sizes, folks listening to this podcast. What's your formula for success? What are those kind of key components that you're thinking about and discussing when you're going in and, and thinking of a, you know joining a new firm? For me, so very specifically to this, one of the critical things is to understand the overall corporate go-to-market strategy yeah. and what percent of the business is either intended to go through the channel, is currently running through the channel. And then what are the critical elements that partners need to do? So something, an exercise that I often do, and then get this, as I mentioned, cross-functional buy-in is -hmm. to really understand within the channel ecosystem, whether you have system integrators, value-added resellers, distribution partners, Mm -hmm. what are the components of E that you expect will deliver value out to the customer? What do you want them to deliver to customer? And then what do you expect them to deliver back to you? Are you expecting them to potentially take on some of your post-sale support? Are you expecting to be able to reduce your overall sales force because you're going to accelerate it there? So that's one of the first things that I do is really understand the strategy. Aligned to their go-to-market strategy. Exactly. What elements of the go-to-market strategy is that? Determine within the channel ecosystems who's needed and then build out the various components critical to deliver that. Whether it's a partner program, if they don't have something specifically, discounts, just the benefits, all of that, all of those components that come with the program. Yeah. You mentioned partner experience. So- Let's get into that as a component of of the partner program. How much are you hearing folks talk about it? I talk about it all the time. It's one of my big drivers at Beyond Trust, but I'm wondering how much are you hearing companies picking up the clues there? I have many roles that I've looked at and what I'm seeing. So I've seen a couple of different things. Organizations 100% are increasing the partner experience discussion. And it's, it's actually blended sometimes with partner experience and customer experience. So there's some blending there, which I think is really interesting and likely something we'll continue to see. But beyond that, 
I'm seeing built into the program role. So I expect you to manage the program and deliver on partner experience. And then I'm also seeing just some standalone partner experience things very uniquely. And the partner experience components are new to organizations, to many Mm -hmm. organizations within the last 12 months or just introduced. Whereas programs have been around obviously for years and years, you know, you have that framework and the structure. This is what we need from you. This is what you'll get from us. But now what I love just because my, I love the channel is now there's really a care about to, this is to the relationship and you're an extension of our sales force and how the partner treats the customer impacts the overall customer experience. So we need to measure and look at the partner experience. Yeah, there's been a lot of emphasis on customer experience, mm-hmm. right, over the over the years, and now I think we're starting to see that translate. And partners are a customer, right? They're they are, they're one of your customers, and so I'm really thrilled to see a much more emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. I think we've always said, well, you've got to be easy to work with, right? Yeah. What does partner experience really mean, and how how do you measure it? How do you measure and know that you're doing a good job? And that is an excellent question. I'm glad you asked. We didn't talk about this previously. You know, in terms of the overall partner experience, it is significant and it's very robust. It's kind of like the term enablement. It can mean so many different things. And it it does and will need to tie back to the overall organization and just the strategy. One of the critical things to determine and really understand how you can make an impact in the partner experience is to do a partner journey map, very similar to a customer journey map. Mm. How does the partner from the recruitment perspective to onboarding every single step in that partner journey, all the way to, okay, your partner's been on board then year over year. So across each of those different steps of the partner journey, having an ability to understand and define that experience. Mm -hmm. So what I've observed is given it's so complex, the first foundational piece is let's first understand what can and can't be measured. So I've worked in organizations where I'm like, how many partners click through? What are we measuring? It's like, we don't have access to that, or it's very difficult for us to get. So again, within the partner experience, introducing partner experience elements, whether it is a partner advisory council, whether it's NPS surveys, whether it's transactional surveys, understanding and really having a baseline and ensuring that measurements can be made. Because you'll, similar to any kind of customer experience, you'll want to be able to measure the effectiveness of anything that you put out there getting that baseline and ensuring you have an ability to measure is critical. I like the concept of a partner journey. We mm-hmm. we did our kickoff, company kickoff this year in Orlando. So we brought the entire company down to Orlando. And the last day we had a little bit of a leadership session afterwards and they brought in the Disney, what is it called? The Disney University, I think. Anyway, they were talking about how they drive and their roadmap for exceptional customer experience. And Disney is very well known for exceptional customer experience, right? And they talked about the touch points and they pay special attention to all the different touch points that a Disney customer has on the entire journey, you know, even before you get to the park and obviously at the park and after the park. And so that got me thinking about all the different partner touch points and that's right. Your partner portal is one of them. They're touch points with your sales reps, with your channel marketers. There's so many different touch points. And any one of those can create an exceptional experience or an exceptionally bad experience, right? But that's that right. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it is defining a partner journey is, is actually a great exercise because you yeah. per, 
we think about just, okay, it's a partner portal. And to your point, Rob, it's so much more than that. It's all of these different touch points that are ever so critical. Yeah, that you have to pay attention to. The, the, the motor score is an interesting one too. We've just started doing partner net promoter scores to, to see what they think of us at Beyond Trust. Yeah. And we've only done two quarters so far, but we had massively different NPS scores. So we're waiting to see the third quarter, where does this land? The second quarter though, was the same timing as our big partner and customer event. Yeah. We're wondering, did we just get a big lift? Because that was such a good experience. Did we get a big lift from that? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think is powerful to do that. So a net promoter score is great. And we, we need those measurements to really understand. But I think balancing that with additional transactional type surveys so that you're really measuring and assessing the partner experience across the various touch points, whether yeah. it's just one opportunity, a closed lost opportunity, or whatever those transactions are. Somebody comes in and takes a training. You want to get a score from that. And having the ability to aggregate that input is really important because you can have a strategic decision that was made. Something happens in the market and you happen to send your survey out and you get horrible results that may or may not really reflect how you, yeah. your relationship with the partner specifically. So having more than more than one big survey that goes out, I think is really important. And to survey partners along the different paths within that journey. That's such a good point. And you're, you're uh, exposing that we have a lot more to, to do, but we've made progress on it because we first, first all we had was like this one big, massive annual partner survey, yeah. which is almost meaningless. You know, you've got to have regular surveys, smaller surveys, micro surveys. And I think you're right. We're only doing one touch point. There's so many others that we should be gauging and could do surveying on. So that's a great tip. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be giant. I, I will say one of the tough things, and we all very likely feel this, is everyone gets a little bit of survey fatigue. So yeah. another, another really important thing, yes, it's important to get multiple, to get feedback across the various touch points. We also need to make it easy. Yeah. And just in the design of the surveys and putting that together, really asking yourself, what am I going to do with this information? If I get a response and it's just kind of, I just kind of want to know, but I can't take action on it. Maybe don't include that answer until you can yeah. take action on it and then leave an open space for what else do you have to share. Then you can get something. The last survey that I put together working globally with all of the leaders, people wanted to ask and add a lot of questions. And we really had to push back and say, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Great point. So on the program itself, getting back to kind of customer experience and partner experience, are there any new elements that you've, you've added to partner programs that, that SaaS companies should be thinking about that maybe they're not in the classic tiered, you know, metallic tiered partner program that was kind of the, the rubber stamp before? Yeah, I will tell you, I, I haven't added anything new, but been in discussions around it. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things that's really, that's interesting is organizations today, the value that they get from partners is very different. So some of the discussions, and this is a probably a totally different topic. Is it still a metal level program? Is it still progression that is linear or are there values that we can determine? So as a partner, if my both measured partner experience and customer experience scores are a certain thing, that means something in the program. And I can mm -hmm. recognize the partner for yeah. that. It's a strategic partner. It's an executive partner. So instead of using nomenclature that really I'm a platinum partner, I'm the best of the best, for example, I'm a strategic partner, which may mean I'm good in one specific area of the business, 
but maybe there's another type of partner, an executive level partner that's good at another. Yeah. You know, getting back to tech stack, one of the things that we're doing is because we are making the transition to being a SaaS company. We were more of a, you know, perpetual on-prem security company. Now we are really SaaS in the cloud and pushing all of our new sales to the SaaS model. So that landing the deal is not nearly as important as the, the really, you know, helping to implement it, getting that use of the product itself. And we're leaning on the channel and the partners to do that. Yeah. So we are working on how do we expose the utilization? We use Gainsight. So how do we use Gainsight and expose that data to the partners so they can see what is the utilization and is there in there doing their delivery? You know, what metrics do they need to know that they're being successful in driving adoption of the product that's going to lead to expansion in the account? Absolutely. And taking it a next step further, even beyond that initial expansion, just from a customer lifecycle management perspective, having the ability yeah. to measure partners. And this is something that that we've done to measure partners on their effectiveness there. How are yeah. you retaining your customers and building that in to the program as well? Because so often it all historically. It has been about sales as opposed to retaining and upsell and just that overall, to your point, expansion. Yeah. All right. Interesting question just came in. How do you typically think about benchmarking to understand the overall program's health when stepping into a a new company? That's an interesting one. That is an interesting one. One of the critical things, certainly for me and Rob, let me know what you think, is I'm looking at going into a new organization is looking to see where the program, first and foremost, where the channel sits within the organization. And one of the the critical questions that I ask is, what is the investment in the channel? And if one person says, oh, 90% of our sales go through the channel, and we have this, and another person says 50, then it's a little bit of a red flag. And again, Matt, to the question that you're asking, it does depend, I think, on the overall organization. If it really is a it's a sales engine and it is all about sales. It's pretty critical, very critical, as opposed to having the ability to, Rob, as you mentioned, assess and measure the customer throughout that overall life cycle. It is a, is it an expand approach? So within the program, what do you have? Another critical piece, and in terms of just benchmarking in a program's health is really understanding what key, what measurements do you have in place? Can you measure by partner their impact on a sale down to the customer level? Do you mm-hmm. have the level of metrics and details to be able to really assess all of the various components that you may want to include in a partner program? Having discussions with people, they, we want to include a program. I'm like, help me understand how you measure your partner and how do you, and so really digging into that and ensuring that it's there because tying the partner to the customer back Rob, to the point that you made when it comes to expansion or it comes to overall retention, that's critical to ensure that you can have those two married up and attached. Yeah. And I think there, there are several types of benchmarking that you can do. You can do industry benchmarking, Yep. right? And there's good information out there. You read a lot of posts from Jay McBain at Canalis. He's, mm-hmm. He is always putting out benchmarks. Um, TSIA has a lot of great SaaS company, you know, everything in the cloud service model metrics that you can use, right? We use benchmarks from our own experience of kind of what we expect. But I do think in the layer model, what is it? Land, land, adopt, expand, renew. Land, adopt, expand, renew. That's right. You know, there are metrics there too of what you should expect. I know when I came to Beyond Trust, we were great at the land, but the entire program had been built to land. There was no, really no program elements 
for the adoption and expansion. So that's really what I focused on initially was driving that up and getting the ecosystem and program in place. Yeah, absolutely. That's evolving. And it's one of the reasons through looking at partner experience. It is that latter end of the layer, if you will, that yeah. is really, really critical. The competition's changing. And so it really is important just to retain as many customers as possible. And we all know it certainly costs a lot less money to retain a customer, but it, I don't know, it may not these days. <laughs> I would love to see some studies and I should go look and do some research on that because just customer retention, given how easy it is sometimes just to light, depending on the technology, just to, to shift and transfer from one, whether it's provider to another, is the investment in retaining customers is certainly something I'm seeing many, many organizations do right now. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And that's part of the challenge because in the SaaS model, it is easier to shift. And I think you have to, what we've done is built into our models ways to make it stickier through integrations with technology alliance partners. So the more we get our product entrenched and integrated with other alliance partners, that makes it even more stickier and harder to take it out. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So I am seeing a couple of other questions. Um, yes. Are you willing to share the, the LMS that you used? I'm willing to share. It's not a commercial. I, I will say <laughs> I've had a number of different learning management systems, very specifically yep. the recent was an organization named Absorb. And uh, you know what? At the end of the day, there are things in an LMS system that are frustrating, things that easy, things that are more difficult. And I will sound like a broken record. The solution that you pick depends on your organization strategy and your critical needs. Do you need to be able to measure down to the individual level? Do you need badging? Do you need it to be out, open to the public? Do you need it to be behind, right? Do you need actually for it to be behind your firewall? So all of those things are critical. And there are some great organizations out there. That's who we happen to use. Yeah. And a lot of the partner portal providers have kind of basic level LMS systems too. That, you Absolutely. know, entry level, early stage that you can use that as well. Yep. So that, that's another option. Um, let's see here. Edward, I'm at a SaaS company. Okay. Very early stage. What, what would I ask my channel partners to target? Their current clients, their new business? I have an yeah. opinion on that one. What do you think, Lana? Well, one of the reasons I, I think, depending on your solution, one of the reasons that you're recruiting partners is to tap into their relationships and their base. So I would say... Yeah their existing clients. Yeah, me too. I think that's always the easier. That's the first thing you go after, right? In, a, in any new partnership, start looking at that account mapping. Where do we have overlap of existing customers? That's the easiest one to start getting conversations going. Then do, where do we have overlap of my prospects and your customers or your prospects and my customers, you know, go down that route. And then kind of last is going after totally net new business because that's usually the toughest to get. But it is. Get some wins first on that existing customer base. That's right. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Any other indicators used to judge if a program needs a turnaround? <laughs> That's something else that we encounter a lot, Lana. You, you step into a company and they've got an existing program, but it needs a refresh or, or a complete yeah. turnaround. Yeah. And, and I think it's, so a couple of things. One thing that I think is true with partners is they actually like predictability. They know what's going to, they they want a level of predictability. And at the same time, you, oftentimes you have a new strategy. You have, hey, we really want to accelerate, similar, Rob, to what you guys are doing. We want to accelerate our SaaS business. So you do need to make tweaks to the program. One of the lack of 
incremental partner recruitment might be a key indicator that you need a different program. Certainly, as you look at your overall margin, if you're seeing margin degradation and perhaps you are giving more away than you're getting back, you might want to program refresh. If partners just are no longer engaging, if you, for example, have competencies built into your program, but you're not seeing partners come in and engage and stay on top of their competencies, maybe their certifications last two years, those are some very clear indicators that you might need a refresh of your program driven by the partner community and kind of their interaction with it. You know, clearly strategic changes in your business are going to drive that. Strategic changes in the market may drive that. You might, there may need to be, so those are some of the key things that I would recommend looking at. Rob, how about you? Well, in our case, it was a change in business model. If you're not a born in the cloud company, you're an older company that, you know, started on-prem, with a traditional perpetual model, if that business model has now changed to SaaS, you absolutely need a revamp of your program. Yeah. You're just you're not going to have have the channel built and enabled to do what you need to do as a SaaS company. That's right. And with that transition, it is not a hey, we built the program. Where are they? It's not necessarily if you build it, they will come. There yeah. is a change management component to that as well as you consider revamping a program introducing it and helping partners understand what the new value proposition is for them. Why should they do this? And it's really all of those elements are really critical to be sensitive to and thoughtful about, which goes back to the partner experience and having a trusted advisory council and partners that you can get that feedback from is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, the, the partner advisory council pack or PAB, whatever you want to call it, they played a big role for us in helping us guide and steer as we we revamp our program. But we were careful. We didn't want to alienate our existing channel. So we didn't come out like, hey, this is a totally new program. We kept making smaller iterations so that we could hold on to the partners that really are still very powerful and strong for us as we added new elements and new partnerships. Yeah, I called it the evolution of our program. And, yes. you know, on one hand, again, I think that's really it's important. And in some cases, you may need a complete refresh. You may need to yeah. do that. I I was, I'm a little bit more of an evolution kind of person just because yeah. the existing partner base is so critical. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good conversation going on in the chat. A lot of good stuff happening in there. I do want to speak to Steve's question really quick as we talk about surveying and incenting partners. Yeah. If you have the budget 100%, that is the, that was one of the biggest challenges is, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, getting the response. And we all survey fatigue, but having some sort of incentive to get partners to respond. And the other critical piece is to consider who within the organization you're asking. Mm -hmm. There are so many different touch points. Is it the salesperson? Is it the technical support person? Is it the implementation manager? Is it the business owner? So I think those are really important. But if you have the budget to provide an incentive for a response, Absolutely. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going to change my answer if somebody gives me something to respond. I'm still going to be candid. So, right, right. Yeah. And we use that too. And it's amazing. Even a, you know, $10, $20 Starbucks car, though, yeah. with the cost of coffee, you can barely get one for that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might have to bump the lot. But yeah, it can have a big impact on response yeah. rates. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. It's definitely worthwhile. All right. So, what else we got? Oh, Here's one. Sunir was throwing this out to the to the question to the audience. Um, mm. Channel work better in the licensed software channel. What makes subscriptions harder for channel partners? Have you addressed these challenges? That's an interesting question, Sunir. Any thoughts on that one, Lana? You know, from a 
program perspective, how we address that challenge was really to, if you think about a premise solution, just the overall revenue that they're going to get progression through the program, it's much easier for them to progress. So we in the program kind of did a blend and introduced program points to neutralize Mm. the overall measurement in the program. So the partners that are shifting towards more subscription sales, the upfront revenue may may not be as significant, but we give them the credit to normalize that program. The other thing there that's really critical is just, again, education, ensuring and really having clarity around that value proposition and having the ability to have a calculator to show this is what it looks like over the lifetime of a customer. And this is what the value to you looks like from a a dollar perspective, if you renew that customer. So to have not only elements of the program that give them that support so they can continue to be do business with you, but also they see the the value to them in terms of the dollars over the life cycle. Yeah. I think with the SaaS model, it's even more important than ever that you fully understand the partner's business model. Yeah. Right. Because if their business model is more transaction oriented, then they want to make sure that they can build up a very strong recurring revenue model. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is the recurring margin that they're going to get on your product? Not just for the transaction, but more importantly, for the renewals that are coming in. But a lot of partners are shifting their business models to be more service oriented because they recognize the margins are getting smaller and smaller. And so they need the high margins from the service side. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you've got to make sure you you align with that. Yeah. You know, I, Matt, it is a dicey question. Matt has asked, how do you go about establishing channel alignment, channel Mm -hmm. management perspective when your business has been direct? Critical component there is establishing a really tight rules of engagement and getting alignment across the board. It is not just rules of engagement done in a vacuum from the channel team. It is across the board whether it's a chief revenue officer, whoever that is really having a stake in that. And and having that clear rules of engagement will help certainly support the relationship. There's going to be perhaps in a deal, a winner and a loser per se, but having very clear guidelines and that rules of engagement really tightly defined will, even if somebody may not like the answer, they Mm -hmm. know as opposed to after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, I agree totally. Rules of engagement are so important. You know, I had a conversation recently with Bart Finelli, who was my chief revenue officer at my prior company. And now he's really going back to what he had done before, which is focusing on sales enablement. Mm. And he really opened my eyes to something because you can take a more of a top-down approach and say, you've got to have executive alignment. You've got to have your sales VP and your sales RVPs totally aligned to your partner strategy. But where it can all fall apart is at the sales rep level, right? If they don't buy into it, then you're out of luck. So Bart's point was it all starts with baseline training. So your baseline sales methodology, whatever it is, spin selling, force management, whatever, you have got to have your partner emotion interwoven into the baseline, right? Because that's what the sales reps are going to listen to. They, you can then coach them to the baseline and everyone, their, their managers will coach them to the baseline. So if, if you don't have the word partner in your baseline sales methodology, you're just fighting a losing battle because you're just always going to be butting heads with the, yeah. with the sales rep. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was an eye opener for me. So we're working yeah. on it right now. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, Atlanta, kind of getting back to the, the job hunt topic, I went out to LinkedIn and I just did a search last night and it was pretty rushed. I was watching television while I did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're, we're catching up on Yellowstone. But I saw for high-tech partner jobs, I saw 275 channel jobs, 93 alliance roles. Mm -hmm. That seemed like a really small number to me. And again, it was a very quick search that I did. But what are you seeing out there in the marketplace? Does it feel like, because I really feel like the market has shifted over the last year and it's a much tighter market, I think, today. Is that what you're seeing? It is. I am seeing that. So clearly, I'm seeing a lot of channel sales roles, yes. and specifically channel mm -hmm. sales and even sales leaders. I'm seeing a lot of that. There are the roles that I'm seeing related to programs, channel marketing, partner experience. There are fewer. And even organizations that I'm talking to, they are beginning to tighten that up. To re yeah. So- Absolutely. Yeah. Based on that, what's your approach as you're looking at this? You're looking, obviously, you're, you're higher level. You're at the top of the, of the chain. Are you seeing a fewer, fewer top level jobs as well? I am seeing fewer top level jobs. Mm -hmm. And so there's the short answer. I, you know, I was having a conversation with a colleague who was a channel chief and across organizations, many organizations, whether they have a channel chief or not, a lot don't. They just have a sales leader and channel reports up to yeah. that. But there is a channel chief. There is a program leader. There is a, so they're single. So you're seeing a lot fewer of that and just kind of dispersing the the work, if you will, to to maximize the, maximize kind of the breadth of the team. Yeah. Any advice for, there may be some other folks out listening to this who are between gigs and uh, any advice for them on, the, on their job hunt today? Yeah. So certainly one of the things that, that I've done and what's critical for me is understanding, given I want to be in the channel, understanding the organization's investment and commitment to the channel. And that's really important just in terms of longevity and investment and knowing that the role that you may be looking at, how it's going to be perceived across the organization. Mm -hmm. The other thing certainly is and again, this is for me, it is less about a title and more about the ability to contribute. Do I have a seat yeah. at the, am I having the conversation? Am I impacting and engaged in defining the strategy? Do we have the investment we need to execute against the strategy? Going back to our very early point, Rob, that you made, I want to grow my business this much and I'm going to recruit partners to make that happen. Are you, is the organization really aligned and investing to be able mm -hmm. to execute on that strategy. So I, I certainly am looking at roles that are that may or may not have the title that I had before. And that for me, that's okay. I want to yeah. be able to contribute at a certain in a certain way at a certain level. So that's for me the most important. And anybody else out there looking for a job, it is as much about you defining that organization that you want to work with and for mm -hmm. yeah. as it is them interviewing you. Yeah. And Lenny, your advice about really investigating how do they understand channels and partnerships? Do they understand what they're really trying to accomplish? Do they have realistic goals? That's, is there, you know, board ELT alignment to that? I think that's so important, whether it's your entry-level channel job or, or channel chief, you want to know that. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a painful experience. That's exactly right. And you know what? There are painful experiences in every organization. There just are. It is called work, but identifying where we want that, those pain points. Yeah. Is it an everyday battle with trying to get something done or is it an, this thing happened in the market? We're dealing with this competitive event. So I, that would be to your question. That would be my guidance and counsel again, wherever you are in that organization. Yeah. All right. Great. 
Well, this has been a great conversation and I love the interaction that we've had with, with folks that are listening. Uh, that's made it a lot of fun. Any last a bit of advice, let's say any advice for the SaaS companies, the folks that are on the other side doing the hiring and, and thinking about you know, how they expand their channel. Yeah, it goes back to really getting clear on what you need. It is not just, you know, we all want, sir, I want this because it, I think it will, this thing, the partners channel, they did this for this other organization. Your business is unique. Your business is very specific. So having clarity in why you want to enter into the relationship, what you expect to get out of it, what you expect, what you're willing to put into it, and then really getting clear and defining, okay, what does that look like? What is the strategy? And then once we've implemented that, if we did this to your earlier point, we want this many sales, will it yield that? So that would be my advice, really getting clear. It's more than just, we want to introduce a new route to market. I want to I want to add value-added resellers. It's really getting tight. What is the value add for your organization that the partners will bring? What will you give to them? And then what will they extend to the customer? Yeah, that's great advice. I love that. And folks like Lana, you can help bring clarity if they don't have it, right? Awesome. Lana, that's fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to the Cloud Software Association for inviting us to this. We really enjoyed it. Thanks, Samir. Thanks, Tamara. Thank you all who, who came and listened. So... We love it. Thank you. Thank you. Best of luck on your search. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. All right, there you go, guys. Lana, thank you again for sharing your partner insights and channel wisdom. So many great reminders for all of us. Wanting more partners to bring you more customers? Well, that isn't a strategy. And just because you built or rebuilt your partner program doesn't mean partners will be knocking down your door. Lana reminded us of so many other things that you need to do to be successful and ways to measure your success. For all of today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com cj120. You can subscribe while you're there. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to our sponsor, Impartner. Be sure to check them out at impartner.com. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Are you tired of having to justify the channel and wondering how do you elevate partnering in your company? We'll be answering those questions and many more. Until then, have an awesome channel journey.